welcome to the Empowering Agency Workers, a podcast for all temporary workers. If you're unsure of your rights, unsure how to find work, or just plain unsure, we're here to help. It's all too easy to be exploited, so your expert host, Julia Kermode, will empower you to succeed. Welcome to today's podcast. Um, I'm really pleased to have with me a, a, an old friend of the show, um, Louina Farrell. Now, she has about 17 years worth of law um, and advising recruitment agencies, and she, she runs her own business called Recruiter Law. So really warm welcome, Louina. It's lovely to have you here again. Thank you, Julia. Thanks for having me back. No, you're welcome. So today we're picking Louina's brains about two, um, two cases in relation to furlough and holiday pay um, and so they, these, these um, there, there was a case very recently that we're going to talk about probably in more detail than the other one um, but yeah we, so I mean this builds on an earlier podcast that we did with Paul Chamberlain of JMW Solicitors um, which I will put the link to in, in the podcast notes um, but yeah so what are we looking at this time then Louina? So this time we're specifically looking at the issue of whether agency workers who were um, put on furlough, whether they were entitled to accrue holiday leave and therefore holiday pay whilst they were on furlough. Okay, yeah. And and so that, that was obviously a very challenging time in relation to the pandemic and the job retention scheme. And I think it's safe to say at the time it all came out, people weren't really sure where the law sat with with all of these things so so yeah I mean talk, talk us through a little bit about about furlough when it was set up and, and all of that stuff yes so I think we've been in some form of lockdown well I suppose we've just come out of lockdown this week but we were in mm. some form of lockdown for about what 16 months Julia so the feels, pandemic feels like longer <laughs> does, doesn't it um but the pandemic produced some really exceptional challenges in relation to work mm. um and there was one positive, which I, I, I use that very loosely. I'm not trying to underplay anything at all about the pandemic. But one of the positives no. which came out of that was the government's furlough scheme, or to give it its full title, the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. But for our purposes, I'll just call it the furlough scheme because that's the term that everybody is used to. Um, yeah. Now, the scheme was introduced to protect workers' jobs. So if your employer didn't have work for you during the pandemic, the government underwrote the cost of keeping your job in place albeit employers did have some contributions to make to workers' wages, and those contributions have differed throughout the various iterations of the scheme, and I know it's obviously being wound down now. Um, And they also still had employer overheads, such as employers' national insurance, employers' pension contributions, and the apprenticeship levy, if the employer was in scope of the levy. So this was not cost-free at all for employers, but it certainly went a really long way to help protect jobs for millions of people um, at the time. Now, the furlough scheme was introduced uh, by uh, on the 15th of April 2020 by a direction issued by the Treasury, although it was uh, it applied retrospectively back to the 1st of March 2020. The government yeah. guidance that explained the scheme um, developed over a number of weeks. Um, and at one point, it did feel that there were almost daily updates um, to that. And it yeah. was very hard. I mean, I do remember getting out my highlighter and literally trying to track the previous day's version with the new version and trying to identify where the changes were. Um, that was quite time consuming. Yeah, um, And certainly <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Um, uh, and certainly in my old role, we had lots of questions on the scheme, which we directed to Bayes. Um, uh, that's the, the, the Department for Business um uh, and to be fair to them, it was a completely novel scheme. We'd never had a scheme like this before in the UK, and the scheme was introduced quite quickly. 
But importantly, guidance is just guidance. It doesn't have any legal standing. And so the actual scheme rules um, that businesses had to apply were set out in the Treasury direction. Yes. And I don't think we, we as a kind of as UK law, had really had much use of furlough before, before last year. Am I correct on that? Yes, I, I believe it was an American import. It's, mm. I, I think even they used the word furlough there. Um, and certainly other countries have had uh, introduce similar schemes. So, for example, I know Ireland had a similar scheme. I'm not quite sure what they called it in Germany, etc. But certainly it was the first time we had a scheme like this um, in the UK. So it was really novel for um, all of us okay. who worked um, in the employment law field. Um, and so in terms of then agencies, that was that was also an extra nuance that we had to think about. Yes. Um, it took a little while to work out, but eventually we found out that agencies were, yes, able to put their temporary workers on furlough as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the big questions for from the beginning was about whether the agency workers themselves would continue to accrue holiday whilst on furlough. Um, And this is really important because of course, agencies only earn whilst they have workers on assignment. They make the money from the margin that they charge their clients. So if they can't supply their temps, they can't earn. Yeah. Okay. And agency workers tend to be engaged on a contract for service rather than a contract of employment. Um, and again, that's really only of interest to those of us who have to deal with employment status and, and workers' rights. But importantly, workers um, are now entitled to most of the same benefits as employees. Mm-hmm. So, for example, national minimum wage, pensions, auto enrolment, but also sick leave and pay and also as we're discussing here, holiday leave and pay. And there are just a few rights reserved to employees around redundancy or the ability to claim unfair dismissal, neither of which we're looking at today. And I know Paul has covered those in his podcast on worker status as well. So we won't go into those. We're just looking at holiday today. Um, So in terms of temps and holiday pay, Temps, as I said, mostly are engaged on contracts for service, and those contracts will say that a temporary worker is a worker whilst on assignment, so there's no no, uh, issue there, but that there is no mutuality of obligation between assignments. And by that, I mean that there isn't any obligation on the agency to offer any work to the temp. And equally, there isn't an obligation on the temp to accept any work offered. Yep. So that's yep. that's really important, isn't so, it, actually? Because it, it's it's really crucial. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it comes up a lot. This mutuality of obligation or MU, <laughs> to give it this acronym, comes up a lot in IR35. Yes. Um, and we're definitely not talking <laughs> IR35 today. But mutuality of obligation is an essential component of assessing whether somebody is an employee yeah. or not. And so where there is no mutuality of obligation, that means somebody cannot be a temp. Um, so a temp, uh, sorry, they can't be a worker. So a temp will be deemed to be a worker whilst on yeah. assignment, but they won't be deemed to be a worker generally whilst they're not on assignment. Um, and the contracts that temps have will also generally say that the temp accrues holiday only whilst working, yeah. because, of course, that's how the agency will calculate the recruit holiday and therefore also the pay that goes with that. Yes. Um, and so obviously they charge a markup on the or, or there's an element of the charge to the client is to cover holiday yeah. Uh, yeah. pay. So that's so, that. Sorry to interrupt, but I just want to reiterate that point, because actually it's it's really, really important for, for our conversation, isn't it? Because in essence the recruitment agency will charge the client a proportion for the holiday while the temp is out working for for that client Um, and when that temp is not working for anybody that recruitment agency isn't receiving any income and there is that that individual that temp 
by virtue of not working is not accruing holiday because they are not a worker contractually at that point well of course that's actually well actually that's what the two cases we're about to discuss was actually okay. looking I've at i've got ahead of myself um, but yes, sorry and, <laughs> yeah, no that's absolutely fine um i'm glad to be reading my notes um but of course um you know whilst the temp has regular consistent work you know there's mm-hmm. no issue yep. at all you know he or she knows that they're accruing um yep. holiday the agency knows that and then when they're ready to take their holiday they do yep. they do so as long as somebody's working consistently there's really no yeah. issue at all, to be honest with you. And I guess when someone's not working for a particular agency, they might be doing work for another agency or they might they might not be working at all. And reasonably, that agency shouldn't necessarily be accruing holiday while they're not actually working for that agency. Anyway, I'm probably getting ahead again. So apologies. Carry on. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure it's an, an occupational hazard of working with, with us uh, lawyers for, for too many years. But yes, I mean, the crux of it is that, you know, uh, you know, for these temps, you know, uh, as I said, where they've got regular work, there isn't generally an issue. There might mm-hmm. be a question about ha- what holiday pay has accrued, depending on what rates they've been earning, etc. But certainly this became an issue last year, you know, during the pandemic when there was just no work mm-hmm. um, for individuals through certain agencies. Although, interestingly, under the furlough scheme, they could work um, elsewhere. But yeah, Yes, um, we're probably slightly digressing. Um, so um, I just want to move on to talk about the guidance that we got. Yes, um, as I mentioned, yes. guidance is just guidance. Guidance isn't the law. Guidance is um, the government's interpretation or policy intention around a particular piece, uh, but it's not the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and importantly, the early versions of the government guidance that we got on the furlough scheme really didn't cover if and how workers could accrue holiday leave and therefore what their entitlement to holiday pay during furlough might be yeah and that was one of those issues that we raised very early on with base and really to give them their credit and um, although it did take until may to get the answer they understood the position really quite quickly yeah it was just trying to get the answers elsewhere in government and i know government had a lot on its place yeah, at the yeah. time and yeah. um, but it did take quite a period of time to get the guidance that we were looking for yeah now the specific guidance on holiday pay as i say came out in may and i'm just going to quote a couple of lines from it Go because and yeah. um, these are these are quite crucial so the guidance and i believe actually when i looked at this um just a few days ago it's still the same guidance from may last year i don't believe it has changed mm-hmm. so i quote from the guidance there on holiday um during furlough some agency workers on a contract for services may not be entitled to the accrual of holiday or to take holiday under the working time regulations while on furlough because they are not workers or treated as workers under those regulations when between assignments or otherwise not working on assignment. Contracts may nevertheless include holiday provisions, which will continue to operate in the same way as they did prior to the furlough period. Okay, so it's so it's it's in essence about the contract. Am I right? Yes, it's about the contract, but it's also about um, an assessment about whether somebody is a worker whilst they're not working. Yep. Okay. Um, And and one really important uh, point about the furlough scheme was that if your employer furloughed you, you weren't allowed to work for them. I always thought it was a bit odd that you could work somewhere else while receiving furlough pay, but we won't go into that one. But if my if my employer furloughed me, I wouldn't be able to do any work. So for those temps, that that's kind of what the, the, the key point was would be. So if we look specifically, Julia, at the two cases, mm-hmm. um, 
we have two employment tribunal decisions which specifically looked at whether temps could accrue holiday whilst on furlough but really interestingly i suppose a bit disconcertingly they also reached different conclusions yes. although i do prefer one decision over the other as i'm sure uh, well it depends on which side of the fence you're on but <laughs> you will probably prefer one decision over the other so the very first case is one called healy versus start people limited a start people is an agency um and miss healy um had worked with them for just 20 days between cut on furlough she received the holiday pay for the holiday that she'd accrued during those 20 working days and so there was no question there but her claim was that she was also entitled to holiday for the time she was on furlough and more specifically that the agency's failure to pay her holiday for this period was what we call an unauthorized deduction of wages Now, this is a really brief judgment, but the employment judge found that she was, in fact, entitled to a holiday to accrue during furlough. Uh, As I say, it's a brief judgment. And unfortunately, there's actually no discussion in there about her status or about the holiday provisions in her contract. And the tribunal did acknowledge it was a contract for services. So what we call a regular temp contract. So we have really nothing to um, explain how the tribunal came to this decision. I think it's about four and a half pages long. So a really brief decision with really no analysis. Um, But I would just say, you know, as it's a a first stage employment tribunal decision, it doesn't set a precedent, which is quite fortunate. And I I remember looking um, at at this tribunal decision um, and, you know, I'm I'm not a lawyer. So a lot of, (laughs) I look at these decisions and a lot of what they, what they, uh, the content doesn't always make sense. But to me, I found it really surprising that they didn't really consider the contractual provisions. And I just, I just thought that, um, uh, I, I don't want to say it was a bit remiss and I certainly don't want to make you, you say it was a bit remiss. I think we need to be careful in, in what, we, what we're saying about um, a, a tribunal decision. But certainly I was surprised anyway that, that they didn't appear to look at things in as much detail as I would have expected. Yes, and, and I've got no idea why that was. But fortunately, in the second case, the tribunal did look at it in a lot more detail. Um, and the second case regarded a Mr. Perkins, um, who was a temp working through the Best Connections uh, group. Okay. Um, now, he didn't have any work between the end of March and May 2020. Um, and so he and he wasn't put on furlough because it wasn't clear at that stage that temps could be furloughed. So his yeah. client, the client no longer needed him. Best Connection didn't have any work for him, but they also couldn't put him on furlough whilst they weren't sure if agency workers could be put on furlough. Okay. Um, but when the government guidance then was updated to expressly state that temps could be furloughed, he was furloughed. Um, and as required by the scheme rules, he did agree with the best connection that he would be furloughed and that during that time he could not work for them. Yeah. Um, that was the point I was making just a moment ago. So, again, the scheme rules required that you couldn't work for somebody who had furloughed you, mm-hmm. although he could, as I said, work for somebody else during that time. And he did that for a period of time. Okay. He received his furlough pay, but he later claimed holiday, uh, which best connection rejected. Okay. So he took a claim to the employment tribunal um, and they looked at his contract for services and the furlough agreement and also the government guidance. So having looked at all of those documents and they they then also considered his status in the round, albeit briefly, and they decided as follows that, yes, he was a worker whilst on assignment. And yes, he accrued holiday whilst on assignment. So, as I said, no debate about that whatsoever. But in contrast, when he wasn't on assignment, he wasn't a worker and so did not accrue holiday. 
And in fact, the decision explicitly states that when on furlough, he couldn't work for the agency which furloughed him because those were the scheme rules. So almost saying that the scheme rules prevented him from being a worker for that yeah. period of time. Yeah. And therefore, they assessed that he couldn't be a worker for the agency whilst on furlough. The decision also states that neither the furlough scheme nor the government guidance created new rights which could be legally enforceable in an employment tribunal. So, Julia, this is a really very different yeah. decision. It is a more detailed decision. And, you know, you can work your way through the analysis. You can agree or disagree with it. But I do think it's a very sensible decision. And it really does reflect the advice that I was giving in a previous role. Yeah. But again, as a first tier tribunal decision, it doesn't set a precedent. So I think I think we can probably expect more claims working their way through the mm. tribunal system. And it would be really quite interesting to see what decisions or, or how detailed the analysis will be in those decisions. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, how different tribunals will assess it. But I do yeah. think this second one um, where the tribunal has decided the individual was not a worker whilst he was on furlough and therefore couldn't accrue worker rights, including holiday pay. That seems a very sensible yeah. decision. I mean, at least they did consider the facts of, of the contractual arrangements and also the facts of the furlough scheme and the requirements there. And they seem to be almost saying by virtue of being furloughed, this chap couldn't possibly be working for the company that's furloughed him, that recruitment agency. Therefore, he couldn't possibly be accruing holiday um, anyway. So, yeah, it is very interesting. And, you know, in terms of the of how the law works um as you're saying these tribunals are not kind of binding to, to other situations and so other situations i expect will be bubbling through the through the tribunal system and we as you say we'll probably get more i mean um and i suppose for our listeners that in itself could be a bit confusing um because you know we've, we've got two very different decisions so far how on earth are our listeners supposed to know whether they are entitled to holiday during furlough or not? And I guess that that's a question you can't answer because it obviously depends on their contractual arrangements, doesn't it? Well, well, no, but I, as I said, we did spend quite a lot of time talking with Bayes mm. and, and feeding information and working through contractual obligations and employment status, you know, uh, you know, kind of between April and May last year. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, when they produced the guidance, you know, we were pleased with the guidance and it did follow what our advice was yeah. um and we and i know that that's the advice uh, lots of law firms were giving as yeah. well so yes i mean tribunals can make different decisions but um uh, this seems to me to be the right decision to be perfectly honest with you and uh, obviously the furlough scheme yeah. is 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 uh, coming to an end at the end of, of september and and the treasury have said it will not be extended again i mean we, it's had a couple of extensions yeah. already so it will be really interesting to see even at that point if people who might be on furlough now and are no longer on furlough in september whether at that point there might even be some some new claims um, uh, made so so yes. this could trundle on for a little while but um yeah i I, I think this is the right decision. It's it's a hard one to to kind of it's it's a hard one to hang your hat on, isn't it? But I I have to say, although although I work, um, uh, my organisation represents workers' um, rights and and that sort of thing. I, I so you would expect me to argue that that actually that decision in terms of holiday pay is the wrong one, the the one we're just talking about now with Mr. Perkins. But it does follow the logic, um, and so I would I would kind of agree with with that decision although it might not be the most popular um, answer for, in terms of the, the workers' position. But also, 
The other point I did want to make, uh, just very briefly, is that recruitment agencies have incurred quite a few costs by virtual furloughing um, workers. And actually, there's no obligation on recruitment agencies to furlough anybody anyway. Um, it was kind of positioned at the time that, oh, yes, your, your employer can furlough you. Well, yes, they can, um, and including recruitment agencies. Um, yes, they can, but they've got to pay all the overheads and the, the national insurance costs, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think sometimes workers miss that point. So I did want to just mention it very briefly. <laughs> yes, I mean, you know, I, I, I can uh, completely sympathise with workers who were mm. faced with no work and no income oh, and, yeah. you know, how they desperately must have been trying to be furloughed. But yes, I think the operative word there um, was can or could you know employers yeah. could choose to furlough people to protect their their jobs but there was no obligation on mm. them to do so mm. um, and even um, actually employers could um, bring back people they had made redundant within a certain period of time and um, if yeah. if if the reason for the redundancy had been uh, around the pandemic yeah. and not for any other reason but yeah. yes I completely understand from an agency worker's point of view so as I said a decision will how you feel about a decision will depend on which side of the fence that you're sitting on but I do want to mention maybe umbrella companies and again we don't want to spend too long yeah. on that because they are organizations that tend to employ um temps rather yes. than in uh, in order to payroll them rather than engage them on contracts for services yeah um and i know that umbrellas had some very specific um issues around furlough last year as well particularly about how to calculate furlough pay yeah. based on the you know the calculations that they they used to use to to pay people so generally a worker might be paid national minimum wage for example and then there would be a commission which would be would reflect the difference between their assignment rate and national minimum wage yeah. and the question at the time then was quite how do you calculate furlough pay is it based on nmw or is it based on an average of what they might have earned so that was a particular problem for umbrellas but of course the additional um issue then is also about if their employees and you mm. furlough them, do they then accrue holidays? So, you know, it would be interesting to see if we get some decisions um, on umbrella companies around um, furlough and holiday pay as well. But again, there might be some um, trundling through um, the tribunal. Um, Julia, there is just one other point I want to make oh, yes. about yeah. um, holiday leave. Um, so where a worker does accrue um holiday leave well for uh, first of all you know we we accrue our statutory leave during the the leave a particular leave year and a, an organization can state how a leave year is you know whether it's from the 1st of january to the mm -hmm. 31st of december whether it's on the anniversary of someone started that's entirely up to the business but effectively you must take your statutory leave during the leave year you accrue it yeah. so it's effectively what we call a use it or lose it situation mm -hmm. you know you're not entitled to be paid in lieu of your statutory leave if you don't take it uh, and that's you know the 5.6 weeks that we get and yeah. of course some employers give uh, employees or workers more leave than that mm -hmm. well that's a separate point but for your statutory leave it's use it or lose it but okay. of course during the pandemic last year you know some people were working um uh, ridiculous hours and yeah. couldn't take leave and others simply didn't want to take the leave because we couldn't go anywhere you know why do you want to sit at home looking yes. at your own four walls for a couple of weeks yeah. so the government did um make an exceptional change to the working time regulations which is where our entitlement to the holiday um comes from and so they have allowed a temporary change to the working time regs which allows workers two years to take their accrued statutory holiday oh, wow. uh, and businesses yes. and workers will have together to work together to manage this um, and yeah. obviously 
is if you're running a business, you won't want to work, you know, taking two years um, holiday leave at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to add that point that where somebody has accrued holiday, um, whether they were on furlough or not, um, or whether they were working all the way through the pandemic, they do now have two years to take the statutory leave. But that's that is an aside. I just wanted to add it on. No, no, that that's useful because I do remember that point coming through um, in at the time all this kind of guidance um, was being developed last year, and so I, I had actually forgotten that point. But it's it's a useful it's a useful one um, to to bear in mind. Um, so so yeah, I mean that that's um, that's really useful to to take us through. Um, um, those those tribunals and you know it I suppose from from a worker's perspective if they're not sure what they're entitled to I guess I would suggest to them to check their contracts that they've got with with their with their agency um, and particularly that point around whether they would normally accrue accrue leave um, during periods when they're not working for that for that agency that sounds to me to be the crux of the situation would you agree yes and uh but but i understand you know reading a contract is not everyone's forte it's not everyone's <laughs> no. cup of tea no. um uh, so if somebody do, you know i mean obviously they do need to read their contract they yeah. do need to understand their entitlement but if they have questions you know workers can always go to acas yeah. um i must yeah. admit i probably ought to have checked before this podcast but i haven't checked what acas's current guidance is around holiday on furlough but there is obviously the the government guidance and yeah. you know some yeah. of that guidance is also written from the perspective of the worker as well not just the client so if they can yes. find the right guidance because uh, there is a lot of us that can find the right piece of guidance it is probably directed at them and i know uh, you know trade bodies have also produced guidance yeah, uh, for yeah. workers around this as well well what what we'll do is um i'll, I'll find the the link on acas and I'll, I'll put it with the with the notes to to this podcast so so yeah i i think that was really useful to to take us through through both those cases actually because they are such different conclusions aren't they and and you know it it must be confusing um for 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 people who are who just are wondering what they're what they're entitled to and i think the the kind of final point is we don't know what's coming next so so you know we, we haven't had any any holiday uh uh tribunals in relation to furloughed workers through an umbrella company and again that those their situation will be different again because most umbrellas employ the workers so that that situation may may be different and i would expect that that there are more cases to come and that we'll just keep our listeners updated as as and when as and when anything happens yeah i mean certainly holiday pay holiday leave and holiday pay have been some of the most complicated um employment issues over the last few years uh, but yes if you get any more if, if we get you know more around holiday pay generally or indeed furlough pay with umbrellas i'm very happy to come back and have a chat with you again julia marvelous that that would be great we will we will be very pleased to take you take you up on that so um so yeah but for now huge thank you for your time taking us through those it's been really really useful and um yeah hope to have you on again soon my pleasure julia thank you thank you for listening to empowering agents workers hosted by Julia Kermode. For more information on today's discussion, please visit iwork.co.uk where you can also join our growing community. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and if you did, then we would love you to subscribe, rate and review our podcast. We'll be back at the same time next week.